Hello everyone, my name is Sandia Taneja and I'm the host of 20s in 20, 20 minute episodes about making your 20s a little more enjoyable. Thank you for tuning in today. The first two months of 2021 are already over and the third one is coming up fast. Can you believe it? In this episode, I'm going to be talking about creating resolutions and goals that you can actually complete, having accountability when it comes to growth, and about my newfound love for meditation. So let's get started. So goals. Goals are great. They're motivating, they help us idealize our best self, and they give us something to work towards. Most years, I create a few generic resolutions at the beginning of the year, like I'm going to drink eight glasses of water a day, or I'm going to exercise a lot more, or my personal favorite, I'm going to sleep by 10 p.m. And maybe for the first few days, I do all those things. I work out for 45 minutes, I chug eight glasses of water, and I'll sleep by 10 p.m. But by the end of week one, I've abandoned all the resolutions, so I don't even waste my time anymore. But think about all those people who you see that are living their best life, and you're wondering, why can't I have that? Listen up. The answer is, there's no reason you can't. The only thing that they have that you don't have is keeping up with goals and good habits. So let's talk more about goals. Edwin Locke concluded that effective goals are specific and difficult. Ashna Mangotia, a product manager at Morning Brew, said that goals should be value-based and measurable. So we can do that. We just have to make sure that our goals are specific, difficult, value-based, and measurable. We can go through each one of these one by one. So specific goals. You can't say vague things like, I'm going to exercise a lot more and not quantify it. What does exercising a lot more even mean? Does that mean exercising once a month? Once a week? Every other day? I'll admit, after I haven't worked out for a while, instead of jumping back into it and doing it every day, I give myself time and I say, Sandhya, if you can work out twice this week, then that'll be a job well done. That room to grow and that patience with myself to achieve my goals is a lot better for me than simply saying, you need to work out every day. Which... I probably won't do. Difficult. Now, maybe for those of you listening that are very dedicated to exercising and working out every day, listening to me saying working out twice a week is an achievement may seem ridiculous, but that's okay. Each person's goals and what is difficult and not difficult for them is different. So making goals difficult also gives us a sense of accomplishment when you do complete them. I'm a big to-do list person and I tend to write down everything that I have to get done. So let's be real. Most of us have done it. And I'm guessing you have too. Have you ever added something to your to-do list just so you can cross it out so you get a sense of accomplishment afterwards? There's no shame. I do it all the time. Usually I write my to-do list when I'm sitting on my desk and then I'm guilty of writing sit at my desk as the first thing on my list just so I can cross it out. The point is the sense of accomplishment is really exciting and actually completing a goal or working towards a goal can make us feel great. Value-based. Everyone sets goals, but when you think about your future life or your ideal life, often what drives that is your values. You value having a good work ethic, which is why you see yourself successful in your career. You value rewarding hard work, which is why you see a great paycheck. And you can value all sorts of things, independence, family, friends, happiness, anything. Lastly, measurable. You have to have a way to measure your goals and your progress, because sometimes you don't realize how far you've come until you look back and remember where you started or until someone points out how far you've come. What I've found is that goal setting works best if you give yourself the opportunity to change them because the best made plans are flexible, which means a lot of being patient with yourself to allow yourself room to mess up. But you don't want to create vague and flimsy goals that you'll never complete. What I've realized works is creating monthly goals. So the first of every month, 
me and a few of my friends create attainable but difficult goals that we can complete in the next four weeks. For me, going from drinking zero water per day to eight classes a day was not a realistic goal to complete at all. So I broke it down into steps. My goal for January was to drink two glasses of water a day. For February, it was three, and that was still hard for me. So now in March, I'm gonna try to consistently drink three glasses of water a day. When you're running a marathon, it's not step one, sign up, step two, run. You train, you practice, and you prepare. Goals are the same way. You're not a car going zero to 100. You're human, which means you make mistakes, you forget a day, you're lazy, you're not in the mood, or you just don't wanna do it. That's okay. We're not going for perfection here. We're going for progress. These cliches are a cliche for a reason, and progress, not perfection, has become one of my mantras for that very reason. Spoiler alert, I still don't drink three glasses of water a day, but I'm a lot better than I was three months ago. I also like to create different categories of goals. So a few weeks ago, I created my March goals with topics like school, career, mental health, routine, and miscellaneous. Under each category, I had two to five goals that I wanted to complete, and any goal I don't complete, I migrate it to the next month. As an example, for mental health, I told myself that every day I would write one thing that I'm grateful for, and even created a buffer that if I missed a day, I would spend Friday evening catching up on my missing days for the week. I've also made a habit tracker, and feel free to email me if you'd like a template of the Excel sheet that we made. It's nice every month to write down the goals I have, and then see a sense of visual progress when I can check off that I've done it that day, and I'm working towards my goal. It also helps in the beginning of each month if I share my goals with my friends, because then it's like having an accountability buddy that can keep me on track. I don't generally condone peer pressure, but let's be real, sometimes it works. Don't tell your parents I said that. I think learning to be patient with yourself is the hardest but kindest thing you can do for yourself. A lot of us are victims of all or nothing thinking, where even though everyone else and everything else lives in shades of gray, and the people in our lives are good people who sometimes make mistakes, when it comes to ourselves, it's two extremes. We're either perfect or we're failures, or we're a good person or we're a horrible person. I do this all the time. Everything and anything that I do wrong leads me to a spiral about my character and my abilities, but there are ways to fix it. It takes a while, it's a lot of hard work, but we can do it. How funny is it that when you wanna get better at a sport, you keep practicing? And when we wanna get better at math, we do more problems. But when it comes to self-improvement, we don't think the same way. I think for a lot of people, they go through a self-improvement kick after they go through a tough breakup or a hard loss. But we don't need a life event to show us that we can improve. Sometimes we just get the realization that there's a better version of ourselves that's itching to come out. My self-improvement kick was actually because of COVID, because I no longer had the excuse of time to not do the things I wanted to do. There was one day in May 2020 when me and my friend Divya stayed up and we both agreed that we are not the best versions of ourselves that we could be. So that's where we got the idea for monthly goals. And pretty much since then, we've been doing it fairly regularly, which is pretty exciting. And I think the thing that helped me the most was meditation. Maybe those of you listening to this episode are master meditators, or maybe you're the way that I was and thought meditation was an interesting concept, but mm, not for me. A lot of people already know the scientific benefits behind meditation, as there are thousands of studies that show that consistent meditation actually rewires your brain, and being mindful helps reduce your stress, improve your sleep, increase your focus, and improves your relationships. Like, wow, sign me up. So I decided to try it. My friend messaged me in the beginning of January and randomly asked, would you want to do this 21-day meditation challenge with me? 
It's an app that made some custom curated meditations for the challenge and it's free to do. It's from this podcast I often listen to, 10% Happier. I honestly don't know what motivated me to say yeah in full caps, but it seems like past me knew what she was doing. So that night I did day one and it was really calming. And after that first day alone, I was motivated to keep it going. As someone who has only meditated for two months, I can tell you it's really hard. I only do 10 minutes a day, but even that was difficult because your mind is constantly thinking about different things. And to realize you're distracted and then refocus your mind back to your breathing is a really difficult thing to do. But that's okay. I'm not magically a better person. and I'm not magically more patient, more courteous, or any less of a hot-blooded firecracker than I was when I first started. But there is a shift in my way of thinking in a way where I pause and reflect before jumping into things. Now, naturally, you're probably thinking, why should I listen to this random girl on the internet? And let's be real, you don't need to, nor am I telling you to change your entire life or routine, or even to have the same experience as me. But maybe trying this will be the best decision of your life. And maybe your 2021 will be a little more mindful. Because if you have the opportunity to try something new that could possibly change your life for the better, why wouldn't you try it? 10 minutes in a 24-hour day is more than enough. You also don't need to do it at the crack of dawn, and you don't need to be in lotus position when you do it. I meditate at 1am sitting on my desk chair before I start getting ready for bed. Even just 60 seconds a day is great. Actually, my favorite meditation was actually last week during a Zoom presentation that I had to give for class that was worth 50% of my grade. My group was first and I was visibly nervous. My heart was racing and I could not stop shaking. So after I gave our 45 second introduction, I muted myself and set a timer for 90 seconds. Since we had practiced the presentation before, I knew I wasn't going to talk for at least another 7 minutes. So instead of closing my eyes, I fixated on a spot on my laptop, started my timer, and started focusing on my breath. I tuned everything and everyone else out, but I still kept an eye on the screen to make sure it wasn't my turn to speak. Those 90 seconds really made the rest of the presentation go well because I wasn't visibly shaking anymore and I wasn't stumbling over my words like I was when I gave the introduction. Not every meditation is going to be like that. Sometimes you'll meditate and not feel any different at all. Sometimes you just can't get your mind to focus on your breath. It's very easy to get distracted when you're meditating. There are thoughts that will pop in your head, to-do lists of things you need to get done, and general wonderings like, hmm, I wonder what I'll have for dinner tonight. I'm guilty of all of those. Part of the practice of meditation is acknowledging when your mind wanders and then focusing back on your breath. Don't beat yourself up. Just acknowledge it and get back to it. My friend Katie compared meditation to phone notifications, and with her permission, I'm sharing the analogy. When a thought pops in your head, it's kind of like a notification popping up on your phone. You look at it, swipe it away, and get back to breathing. And I think that helped me the most. There are a lot of great apps and YouTube videos out there, and I've tried a lot of them. Now, 10% Happier is not paying me to say this, nor am I getting any recognition for it. But what started off as listening to one podcast episode from Dan Harris turned into an entire lifestyle change. And now I feel like I'm best friends with him and the other people on the app. But there are tons of other great apps too, like Headspace and Calm, and a few free ones like Youper, Y-O-U-P-E-R, and Insight Timer. So really, do what's best for you. Right now, I'm mostly using 10% Happier and the live meditation sessions on Headspace. 
Okay, so obviously I'm no expert, but I wanted to share something that I think has really helped made a difference in my life, and I'm interested to hear if you decide to try it out. And maybe it's just not the thing for you, and that's totally fine. But if it is, and it changed your life, then definitely tell me, because I want to hear about it. Now, how does this all relate to being in your 20s and making your 20s better? So much of our time, or at least my time, is wasted looking at other people and wishing I had what they had. If only I had straight A's like that person. Or, that person is so lucky to be engaged in hanging out with their fiancé and dog all the time. Or, once I get XYZ, I'll be happy. That last one is the most dangerous. How many times have we worked really hard to get to a goal that we thought would solve all our problems, only to create another goal and not enjoy where we are? Sometimes we're so busy looking ahead and trying to continue climbing the mountain to our next achievement that we don't even realize that where we are right now is the place that we dreamed of being for years in the past. But what if we each took a few moments every day to be grateful for what we have and not qualify it? To sit down and say, I am grateful for what I have and this moment and where I am is exactly where I'm supposed to be. That self-compassion for our lives, our growth, and our journey can be a game changer. I tend to beat myself up if I'm not as productive as I'd like to be or I'm not achieving all my goals all the time. But my worth should not be dependent on my productivity and neither should yours. Honestly, I tell other people that all the time, but I never listen to it myself. So maybe we can all try to be a little more mindful for what we have, where we are, and who we've become. For those of you who have seen The Good Place, I like to joke that growth is never linear and instead looks like Jeremy Baramy. In other words, it's complicated all over the place and there are loops to go around. That's why it's so important to have those accountability buddies who show us exactly how far we come even if we don't realize it for ourselves. And if we're lucky, those accountability buddies can use our help too. So basically it's just all of us growing together at the same time, which sounds pretty great. As promised, we're going to end every episode with one thing I'm grateful for, a story about a 20-something year old and answering a listener question. So. One thing I'm grateful for is actually being able to live in a world where I can have an idea for a podcast and then bring it to fruition. It's incredible being able to share something you love with the world. And I love the opportunity to be able to connect with so many amazing people on social media and learn about people's lives and growth through platforms like this. For our first 20-something-year-old inspirational story, we shall talk about Amanda Gorman, who you all know as the eloquent and youngest poet who shared her poem, The Hill We Climb, at President Biden's inauguration. Amanda has an amazing way with words, and she even has a few books coming out this year. But she also represents millions of young people like us who have so much potential and can get recognized for doing what we love. Keep Amanda as an inspiration, because she's a powerful voice and ally in making a brighter future. And to quote her own words, For there is always light, if only we are brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Powerful and inspirational words indeed. Well, that's a wrap for episode one. I don't have any questions that I can answer yet, but if you have any ideas for topics or have any questions, then please reach out to me and please let me know what your monthly goals and intentions are. This is Sandhya and I'll see you next time on 20s in 20. 